0: We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical.
1: Just one more thing.
0: Hey, now. Oh, boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did.
2: <laughs> you wanted to be one way. What is the opposite?
1: One of these days. Are we having fun yet?
0: It's gonna be legend. Wait for it.
1: Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly tell Bertie Collins agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening.
3: Hello, and welcome to the Televerse Sound on Sight's TV podcast. As ever, I'm Kate Kalzik and I'm joined by. Simon L. And how's it going this week, Simon?
2: Not too bad. Uh, we had kind of a light TV week because Fox and, and NBC mostly didn't air anything new. So, uh, we got to relax a little bit, relatively speaking.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. And it, actually there's a, I had an interesting reaction to it. A couple of the shows I was like, oh, they're not on. Sweet, I don't have to watch them. <laughs> That's more your Glee sort of area. And then there were a couple that I was very disappointed to not have this week: your Parks and Rec and uh, Community. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, which was an interesting reaction from you. was like, huh, maybe I really shouldn't be watching Glee anymore. <laughs> but maybe, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that when it when it comes back.
2: We have some casualties this week, so
3: yeah, you never
2: I, know what's gonna come.
3: I've I've made some real strides this week with my TV watching, but we'll we'll get there. I want to say up top thank you to Keith for commenting at the at the site. He was uh, responding because we had asked you know who why people aren't watching Prime Suspect that are procedurals fans, and he's a procedural fan, but uh, he just doesn't have the time for a new show. So uh, I I completely identify with that. <laughs> so maybe it that's one where it'll move to cuz they're going to be showing it like what every day this week or something.
2: Yeah, NBC's doing its big push this week. It's also worth noting that uh our columnist Michael Ryan his second uh issue, his se- second edition of Obsessive Compulsive Procedural this week will be about Prime Suspect. So, you'll get another sort of defense of the show. It's a, basically it's 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 please watch Prime Suspect week.
3: So thank you to Keith for, for leaving us a comment and got get uh, a nice tweet from Dan. So thank you for giving us some feedback about our format um, concerns, and it was really helpful. And, of course, uh, it would be great to get some more. I noticed a few of our uh, semi-regular commenters were not able to make it over to the site this week, so hopefully they will come back and share some feedback and join the discussion with us. Um, but, but then at the site, we have lots of other things going on. Of course, we have our reviews for Community. Well, last week there wasn't an episode, but the review for Community this week will be up. And, um, of course, we also have reviews for Homeland and American Horror Story. And you and Ricky are covering Walking Dead together. And then I will have my Fringe and Supernatural reviews up on, on Friday or early on Saturday. So lots of good reviews going at the site, but we are still looking for for some more. So if anybody out there in uh, internet land is looking to do some TV blogging and writing, please uh, send us an email or, or just get a get hold of us. All of our contact information will be later in the cast. And we're specifically looking for, if anybody wants to cover the new Stars series uh, with Kelsey Grammer, Boss, or either of the the two new fairy tale shows, so Grimm or Once Upon a Time. Those are ones that we think people might be interested in writing about and reading about. So yeah, you know, and of course any any topic that interests you, that if you're looking to contribute, go ahead and drop us a line. But I think those would be fun ones to to get some feedback on. What do you, what do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, well, we're going to be having a fairy tale face off later in the episode. I don't know why these things always happen in pairs. But uh, yes, it, I I have thoughts on on which shows would. I mean, I I feel like Once Upon a Time is is the sort of show that people are going to be more interested in writing about because it's anyway. We'll we'll, we'll
3: get, get to there. it. But
2: yeah. th- I think there's potential for both shows for sure.
3: Yeah. Um. Then also this week my column is uh it's it's the other week so it's every other week it's time for my list so I figured. Tis the season. I do love the holiday, so uh, I'm doing a list of TV episodes to watch for Halloween. Now, I'm specifically limiting this because I am anal retentive this way. It can't be episodes that are Halloween episodes or are set at Halloween, with one exception, because you have to include The Great Pumpkin, because otherwise your list is null and void, as far as I'm concerned. But, oh, any thoughts on good Halloween spooky episodes that aren't actually set at Halloween.
2: See, I forgot about your your no Halloween episode uh, <laughs> anal retentive rule because I was I was gonna mention. I mean, I mean, I really do think that the Halloween episode of of Always Sunny from last season was maybe their best episode ever. So I'm I'm biased in that sense. Uh, you 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 asked me which was the the, the creepiest Buffy episode I could think of and i I went, I went for the slightly unorthodox choice of same time same place from season 7 i think maybe maybe just unorthodox cuz it's in in season 7 which most people uh sort of disregard with good reason uh but i think that's uh i mean just the whole skin thing and visibility yeah invisibility it's
1: <laughs>
3: I enjoyed that because I put that out on Twitter and I got, I think, four different responses or responses from four different people and everybody said a different episode. And I thought that was pretty great. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. And, of course, anybody listening, you want to put your two cents in about the creepiest Buffy, Buffy episode, send me a tweet. I'm at the Televerse and I'd love to discuss it with you. I'm always up for uh, for talking some Buffy. so. Um, but uh, and then of course, before I forget, at the end of the show, we're gonna have a- our interview with Jim Bruce from the Paul Goebbels Show, which was a lot of fun. We talked to Jim of Arcadia and got a little metaphysical about things. It's a little more uh, broad of a discussion than we usually have, but it was still fun and uh, hopefully people will enjoy that. But let's uh, let's get into our week. Now on Tuesday, we had the third of, apparently four, I have not I'm not sure about the, what the fourth show is, but I keep hearing that there's this this other, you know, be a man kind of show coming that we haven't uh, like at season. But we have Seriously? A, apparently yes, because apparently there are three on ABC and we've only seen two so far.
1: Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. So this is the third of four. And it, this one is man up. And, uh, and now you didn't watch this because we, we don't have to. And you're not a masochist. But um, I thought it was actually a lot better than I expected. the the, the cast is pretty strong. It's I mean, it's not great. I kind of chuckled a few times. There's a little more, as with some, these other ones. There's a little more. There's a little more uh, homophobic jokes than I am really comfortable with. But it's definitely stronger than the um, Last Man Standing, which premiered last week and is not funny at all. And it's it's not as charming to me as the pilot for How to Be a Gentleman, but it's so much better than the second episode. There's no comparison. So I would say that this is probably going to be the most promising of those three, and we'll see what happens when the fourth one pops up eventually. Um, the uh, last thing I'll mention is it was nice. We got um, Beaver from Breaking Bad pops up in the in the pilot, and I would assume in the series in a entertaining sort of role. So that might be a reason for people to watch it. And, of course, people will like Dan Fogler, and, yeah, it's a likable cast, but um, not particularly interesting to me. And then after that, uh, there's Ringer, but that's right, I didn't watch it this week. And I'm very proud of that, because it took a lot for me to sever that tie. Hopefully our listener, Dan, will take some pride in that, because his, uh, his strength in not watching and tweeting me about it is very much what prompted me to 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 give it a pass because it hasn't been good for five weeks and that's enough of a shot so i'm done with ringer oh i'm like the proud papa (laughs) yeah it's sad right i just i spent five weeks on this podcast telling people about how it was terrible and how i shouldn't be watching it and finally you know all these weeks later i've stopped watching it but um hey
2: way to get that monkey off your back
3: Baby steps, man. Baby steps. (laughs) Let's move on to Wednesday. Wednesday has turned into quite the night of comedy for me, at least. Um, We started with Suburgatory. What did you think of this week's episode?
2: I thought it was, you know, perfectly in keeping with what we've seen so far. You know, a a few chuckles here. Although I did realize one thing that really bugs me about the show that I hadn't picked up on before: the scoring.
3: Huh. Okay. I find
2: the scoring really. I mean, it it, it eases up, or at least it tends to ease up in the second half of the episode when sort of the plot gets going. But just the, the, the plucking strings and the, oh, isn't this wacky? Like, it's just, it's too much. They need to ease up on that. The, you know, you've got a funny ensemble, especially with Sisto and Levy and, uh, and Cheryl Hines. I mean, just ease up, relax. You've got the actors, you've got the writing, you don't need the stylistics in your face all the time. But no, it's, but it's definitely, I, I, I'm with you in, in the sense that it's definitely one of the more enjoyable comedies currently kicking around.
3: I thought that, uh, this episode was, was pretty good. I, I think that, uh, Jeremy Sisto and Cheryl Hines play very well off of each other. I'm really, really hoping they're not going to go down the romance line with those two characters that they're sort of teasing with, at least from one of their perspectives. But, uh, cause I don't think that's interesting. I think they're more interesting as both essential, essentially single parents, um, but yeah, it was it was fun, and uh, I I did enjoy the dolls this week. I you know, it's a, it's an easy joke, but I I had fun with it. So
2: yeah, it was a good time.
3: Yeah, and this is one show where the music bothers you and doesn't bother me, and I think that's awesome. I think that's hilarious. There you go. Um, then I had Modern Family, which you didn't watch again. This week was uh, I think it was solid. It was a step in the right direction. We got to spend some time with. Haley going off to uh to to college visits with her dad. And it was really nice to get to see her be a good kid. And you know, 'cause some because she has the opportunity to go off to a college party and she turns it down to spend the, the evening with her dad. And uh that she does end up going um later, but still it I, I liked seeing that from her because she's usually such a selfish character. It was nice to see that there is a good kid there and it was um a bit of character development or fleshing out that we haven't seen this season, on the whole. Cam and Mitchell were, were okay this week, too. I like Jay's getting sucked into the telenovela. It would mean it's predictable, but it's still fun. Um, so yeah, it, I'm still not loving Modern Family this, this season, but it was better than it has been, I would say. Um, far more fun for me than Modern Family on Wednesdays is happy endings. I caught about half of the episode, because, like we were saying, it was a light week for us, so I just had some extra time, and... And it was it was on, so I watched uh, like half the episode and really enjoyed it. So I went back and caught up with the whole season. It's been you know only four episodes so far, and then they put the fifth episode up online early, which is the Halloween episode. It's going to air next week. I strongly recommend that anybody listening checks it out and watches it. It was r- really fun, and there's one costume in particular that is hilarious. Uh, so hopefully you will check this out this week.
2: Well, in, uh, I probably will. um, I think we're probably gonna do a big Halloween episode face off next week. I mean there's gonna be loads of them, I assume. Yeah. Uh I actually did I actually did catch Happy Endings a couple weeks ago and didn't mention it. It was the episode where uh involving the limo tours.
3: Ah, yes.
2: Which, you know, it was fine. It it struck me as sort of like a sec like something clearly modeled on how I met your mother, except without the laugh track. In terms of, you know, the slightly incestuous gang of friends who were, you know, Cos, I mean, obviously that's got roots in older shows as well, but it 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 felt like a direct descendant, albeit not quite as amusing to me. I will check out the. I I do feel like it has potential, so I'm I will uh, check out uh, the episode this week, and we'll we will confer.
3: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to actually get to talk about it, because it's one of those shows that I feel like is underrepresented on, on TV podcasts out there, except for the, there'll be like a couple that actually talk about it, and the people who actually talk about it tend to love it, so I, I'm interested in what, what you think of it, this episode this week, because I really enjoyed it, so the characters, once you get to know them, are all, I think are a lot of fun to hang out with, and it is, you're right, it is similar to How I Met Your Mother, so um, yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. Now, you caught up with uh, South Park again this week?
2: I did. And I don't know how recently you've watched South Park, but every once in a while they'll do an episode where it seems like they were in the writer's room and they got stuck. So they just decided they were going to go as eccentric and as random as possible. Uh, This week, uh, I don't know if you recall an episode called The Death Camp of Tolerance from way back in season six. Which involved the gerbil Lemmy winks.
3: Oh God, Lemmy winks.
2: <laughs> yeah, Lemmy winks returned this week, uh, and it was just—it it was one of the most insane episodes, in, just in in terms of like wacky non sequiturs and the music and just you know, seeming like they were gonna be talking about WikiLeaks and and be you know be topical and serious, but then totally weren't at all. So I, I really enjoy them in just off the off the off the wall wacky mode. So for me, it was it was a good out it was, it was a good outing. And they've actually been in a, in a really decent little groove lately. I can't remember the last time I saw several episodes of South Park in a row that I actually enjoyed. So hopefully they keep it up. And uh, wouldn't I mean if they can especially if they can keep up this balance of wacky to slightly serious, I think that's uh, that's a really good sign.
3: Cool again on Wednesday because we had this extra time I watched the episode of psych that aired and it was a lot of fun it was basically psych does the hangover and it's very you know it's one of those things where again it's very predictable you you ha- you know the format if you've seen the the movie and at this point everybody knows that format even if they haven't seen the movie frankly but it was just a lot of fun to see these characters take that on particularly um fun was kurt fuller as woody who he's the coroner uh, this the the inappropriate and odd and goofy corner, and so getting him thrown in with the gang more than just for his one or two scenes per episode was a lot of fun. And then Tim Ominson was having a lot of fun as Lassiter, so it was it was a, it was a very fun episode. And anybody who likes you know The Hangover and and like Psych, if you if you know if you enjoy those kind of shows. Then I think you'll get a kick out of it. This week they're do, again they're doing a Halloween episode, and I'm very much looking forward to that one as well. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm, I'm liking having Psych back in my TV world. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Last for me on Wednesday is Top Chef Just Desserts, which had their their penultimate episode. So next week is going to be the finals. And they had to do a fake savory food challenge. So they had to make desserts, of course, because they're pastry chefs. But they had to look like um, a particular savory dish. So that was an interesting little challenge and a pretty difficult one, I would say. Um, My only thing with this episode, I thought it was interesting, fun to watch. I enjoyed the the Chef Testons. I just... the, The ending, the elimination, who they picked to go home kind of came out of nowhere, and the reason it came out of nowhere was due to the editing. Because when they kicked the person off that they kicked off, their list of complaints were a list of things that we had not seen mentioned once in the episode until then. And you know the judges had to have discussed them, just the editors took that out so that we would think somebody else was going home so that we would be surprised. And... That's really frustrating to me. Yes, I understand wanting to build it up so you don't know which way it's going to go. I understand that completely. But it shouldn't be a complete out-of-left-field, just-from-nowhere turnaround. And so, while it was also, you know, a surprise and everything, it it was one of those ones that, like, as I got a little more time away from it, it started frustrating me more and more because that's not how the show is supposed to be. And that's not how, you know the reality shows are supposed to be, they're supposed to at least maintain the illusion of reality, so that you're actually there. But I still am enjoying the show, and I'm interested to see who wins next week. I think it's really anybody's game. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Lots of you know culinary delights and chocolate and sugar and and good times.
2: Can't go wrong with sugar.
3: Yeah, I can't. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Too much of anything is probably a bad thing. Transition into oh, American Horror Story. What'd you think oh, of this snap. week?
2: You know, I was inspired by your dropping of Ringer. I did watch American Horror Story this week just to see if I would have any uptick of personal engagement, which I really didn't. I mean, I know some people thought that the, the show's really improved over these last two weeks. And I mean, I think anything is better than the pilot, which is just one of the most god awful things I think I've ever seen on TV um but it's really it's still throwing everything it can at the wall to see what sticks i mean it, for instance there's this really strange uh, this really strange plot thread in this ep- in this episode about how the house in question which they contrive up about 20 reasons why they can't leave the house this week which was so frustrating Th- this whole plot thread about this death house tour like they this this tourist uh trip how, do I, how can i say this
3: there's this tourist attraction where people are taken around to various houses with uh, a sordid past
2: yes that is accurate thank you um and you know so obviously the house in question because it's had like 11 teen murders in it uh <laughs> is shows shows up and but then they man, they they take this strange detour and talk about Sal Mineo and his death slash murder, and you actually see it happen, and it's like, why is this here? Why are you doing this? And wh- and then I was thinking, well, why do they do anything? None of the plot threads on this show are going anywhere, and if they are, they're not going anywhere interesting. Dylan McDermott is left the worst therapist in TV history, slash also the worst husband in TV history, uh, and just nobody is interesting to watch, including Connie Britton, who's just left sort of flailing around, being competent, and I just wish anything else was taking up her time and effort and the kids are annoying and ah just such a waste of everyone's time yeah i'm 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 done with american horror story so and i and i feel bad cuz we're we're you know we're obviously we're covering it on the site and I, I would like to you know echo that coverage but i just can't it's it's too frustrating and I, uh no can't do it sorry you're gone you're gone and, and and it it seems counterintuitive to drop it the week before halloween but such is life
3: well well done, Simon, and hold strong, and I'm all for that, and we'll see if I stick to this uh, perspective as soon as Glee gets back and am able to hold strong on that one, but uh, at least, you know, Ryan is liking the show, A reviewer at the website, and I know there are lots of other people out there who are, and that's great, but, yeah, it's one of those things where when your review just turns into the same thing week after week, it's a sign, and and it's a negative review, it's a sign that maybe, you know, it's time to stop watching. So I Mm -hmm. salute you in that decision.
2: Yeah, I'm just getting really, really tired of Ryan Murphy's particular form of prestige, which is somewhat watered down on Glee. There's other showrunners. I mean, there's another one on Brad Falchick is also doing American Horror Story, but it's in a much more concentrated form on American Horror Story and in a genre that they don't really respect anyway done done i have to stop talking about it
3: okay um i will move us away then to thursday nights which were much slimmer this week because all the nbc shows were off but i still watched the big bang theory and sheldon's mom came for a visit i always enjoy laurie metcalf on the show when she comes um it was fun it was solid it was not as laugh out loud as some of the other weeks have been or i mean usually i don't laugh out loud at this show i just sort of enjoy it so it wasn't quite as enjoyable as the other weeks but um i still like getting to see her pop up every now and again and and that's fun and she does play well with uh with jim parsons so that was that was fun and then we had um, one of the more ridiculous episodes of always sunny this season which i think is saying something um what did you think
2: yeah, this was not not their strongest outing, but they they seem to be taking more and more excuses to get out of the bar and and just be a little bit nuts. One thing that was noteworthy for me this week was the return of Rickety Cricket.
3: Yes, Rickety Cricket.
2: <laughs> and it was this it was especially it was especially heartening to see David Hornsby back in rickety cricket mode and in an especially uh especially disgusting context. Um uh, because, you know, obviously the spectacular failure of how to be a gentleman was just so strange to me and the idea that this guy wrote and and produced that show while he's written episodes of it's always sunny that are great and he's great on the show and yet he was also involved in this totally lame you know network sitcom anyway very confused but very happy to see him back on it's always sunny in spectacularly disgusting form uh and i also loved um dennis being spectacularly just dis- uh lecherous which we haven't is a mode we haven't gotten out of him in a while, and he, whenever he gets into like creepy lecher mode, I'm always happy.
3: Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, definitely lots of ogling this week. The thing that I appreciated about this episode, besides the fact that you know there are very there are several very funny moments, was that they had it had something that has been lacking on the show for a while, and this sometimes bothers me and sometimes doesn't, but it was nice to see it back, and that is. For almost all of the episode, there was one character who was rational. It doesn't need to be the same character, but mm-hmm. there was one character. So it's, at the beginning, it's D because nobody is paying any attention to the the weather reports, and she's like, nah, it's supposed to be a big deal. And and she's the rational one. And then over the course of the episode, she spins out into being crazier and crazier. And then I would say, for a little bit in the middle... Frank is the rational one, which is always a warning sign. You never, you never really want that. And then at the end, it's Mac, and that was, uh, I think, a, a lot of fun. So I, I was glad to see that pop back on the show. It used to be that D was always saddled with being the 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 not crazy one, and I don't necessarily want that. But I do like there being one character who's calling the other one to to reality a bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
3: Like in the, in the yachting episode where Dennis, uh, he, yeah, but they the, they're not going to know. And Mac keeps you. You sound like you're you're going to rape them. <laughs> and he's the like, no, no, yes. no, no, no. It's not that. It's just the implication. And so it's nice. I'm always, know.
2: <laughs> sorry. I'm always happy when the show remembers that Dennis is by far the creepiest of the of the gang. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah he he really is is, well i don't know frank frank is pretty creepy but
2: yeah but frank is so open about how awful he is but dennis is is so vain Mm -hmm. and you know he 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 maybe hides it for like a few minutes at a time but then it just it just comes out and it it comes out in just awful ways when he's talking to those women in the the story and just just absolutely tears into them when he discovers that they have boyfriends i love that um (laughs) Yeah, I think it's been an, it's been a strong season so far. They, they they haven't really put too many feet wrong. I'll be very curious to see what they do next week uh, to see if they do another Halloween episode, because like I said, last last year's was uh, absolutely mind blowing.
3: Good times. Um, and then, of course, that was followed up by the league.
2: Yeah, it was it was an au pair themed episode this week, which mostly involved everyone in the gang being being pretty gross which uh, you know is, is mostly enjoyable when it's Mark Duplass doing it because he, he has this very easygoing way about uh, about being – I don't know why Lechery is the theme this week, um, but about being a Lech. Uh, other than that, I didn't think it was particularly memorable. I don't feel like they're off to as strong a start as they were last year. I'm not sure exactly what's wrong. I'm not sure if they're just not getting to riff enough. I haven't yet identified the malaise going on with the league, but if they don't, uh, if they don't pick it up soon, I'm going to have to put it aside.
3: That's too bad um yeah the uh sorry the, the, in an in interesting parallel I so I've been watching supernatural of course and I'm reviewing it on the website and that was another one that started out strong and has been you know tape age, the past couple weeks haven't been that great um but you know sort of similar to the league I mean I don't think I would ditch the show just because I've stuck with it for six seasons so uh, I can stick with it through another one. But this week was actually an uptick. It was in a step in the right direction. And um, they had, of course, James Marsters and Chris McCarpenter on as guest stars. And fans of Buffy will know, and Angel will know them as Spike and Cordelia. So it was really fun wat- watching them get to play. Um, they were a married couple who were fighting who were also very powerful witches. Which can lead to bloodshed because it's supernatural. Oh, and they had these really gross cupcakes really grody they bewitched beating hearts into the inside of a cupcake and when this girl but bit in she was biting into her own heart it was incredibly gross uh yeah, yeah they do gore in a, a hardcore way on this show um and so it was the, the my trouble with the episode is that it started out and two of the three acts were straightforward and then the third act took a left turn and you realize that the whole thing was supposed to be a comedy and now the third act was very funny i enjoyed it it was it was it was well played and it had a great music cue from chopin and uh very well timed and played by by all the actors involved but my problem was that there was too much filler in the first two acts they should have had one act of of you know standard you think you know where the show is going and then two acts of oh actually it's going to be screwball comedy and a lot of fun, so supernatural has greatly succeeded in the past when they've done comedy. They usually have one or maybe two episodes a season that are are more comedic and are usually frankly hilarious. Um, there are a few moments of supernatural that are some of the and I said this in my review are some of the. Best and most hilarious absurdist humor I've seen in television in the past ten years, and you would think that that's my sci-fi bias talking, but it, it's really not. They really are damn good. Um, when those tiny moments come, every now and again, and this episode had the potential to be, if not as as great and transcendent as those moments, it had the potential to be really funny and a really strong. Um, return to form. But it didn't quite hit the mark. So, I don't know, I, I, I kind of went on a while there. I have more thoughts at the website with my review. People can go check it out there. But um, it's interesting that for what is essentially a, a suspense and a horror show, a lot of their best moments are their comedy moments. But, yeah, it's uh, it. hopefully this is a step back into the right direction and the show will get back to where it was with the season premiere. But we'll see what happens. Um, that was followed. Okay, now of course on Friday we also had the pilot of Boss air on Stars, but we reviewed that last week. We both we both thought that it was a good pilot. Um, people can go back to our reviews from last week if they want to hear our our uh, more in depth thoughts on that. But we also had this week the pilot to Grim, which is going to air this coming Friday, but was put up online early. So, what did you think of of Grim?
2: Grim was. I, I must say, better than I was expecting, based on the fact that the—I don't know if you remember this—but the promo uh, was very, uh, very dire and self-serious, and just seemed to seem to be full of silly concepts that it was taking far too grimly. If not to—I'm not trying to make a pun. It's just what they were doing. Um, the actual pilot ended up actually quite a bit like it, it felt in a way mo- almost more like a like a CW or WB type concept in the, sen- in, in the sense of it seems quite similar in some respects to Supernatural in the sense of you've got this, you know, in this case a police officer who is going to be in essence hunting down monsters, except that these monsters are I guess going to be derived from fairy tales. I mean, I'm not sure how long they're going to extend that concept because it seems to me like you're going to run out of Beasts before too long. Or, or of course, they're also sort of suggesting that they're going to have repeats. I mean, we're going to we're going to have more of the werewolves or whatever it is that the the technical term was, which I'm not uh, currently in access to.
3: Boot button, I believe.
2: There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought this was a little uh, better than I was expecting. A few things that I would uh, change or uh, or move around. But uh, oh, I'm also also very happy to see Russell Hornsby, who is. Um, Done a lot of great work, including uh, one of the best uh, sort of underrated exploitation films of the decade, Stuart Gordon Stuck. But, and he's also great on In Treatment. Uh, I think he's uh, probably the most sort of charismatic performer of the bunch. Anyway, interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, I was also pleasantly surprised. I mean, I went in with pretty low expectations, so maybe that's not saying too much, but um, I think I really like the look of the show. I like the color timing. I Thought the monster effects were pretty good. I liked the music. Um, Aunt Marie was a uh, quite the badass, and I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was a nice, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't predicting that. So that was a nice little twist on 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 it. Um, it was one of those things where I was watching it and I was going along with it, you know, surprisingly enjoying it. And then we got to the end, and we got to the end where the cops. Just, it's time for them to, to bust in, so they do, regardless of evidence or probable cause or any sort of, I, you know, any sort of reality. So, uh, and uh, so they just, something triggers in their mind, oh yeah, that guy sang that one song. Okay, that means that we get to bust down his door in the middle of the night. They literally kick it in, and uh, then that also means that sometime in the 30 seconds between them leaving the, the bad guy's house and going back to kick the door in, he shut off the circuit breaker or something so that it could be dimly lit and they could light it with their flashlights instead of the overhead lighting that had just been used in the previous scene. And then he is running away and they shoot him in the back. And I'm pretty sure that cops aren't allowed to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but...
2: that, that was that was a bit much. I mean... The whole thing relies also on this contrivance that really bugged me, wherein the jogger at the beginning of the episode is listening to Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. Then when they find the iPod, it's, you know, hours later, it's still playing Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics, which means she was listening to to Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. And I keep saying it because it's weird. She was listening to it over and over and over, which seems pathological to me. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Joggers, joggers get back to us because I don't know. And then but the reason that they have the contrivance is so that at the end, you know, the the uh the baddie can be humming it, which just seems like a really dumb thing to do. Mhm. Yeah, that I mean that's a pretty heavy set of set of coincidences.
3: Yeah, it's just poor writing is what it is. It's poor plotting, poor writing, and the best delivery in the world, and I do think they 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 had a, a nice turn for the baddie. Uh, was uh I can't I don't have his name in front of me unfortunately, but That actor does a good job with his role. The best performance in the world is not going to save that from being anything but contrived and Mm -hmm. completely false. the
2: The other aspect of the show that I find troublesome is sort of the wife character. Just the way you know she's she's just sort of in the dark and not uh, there's she there's no meat to her part at all. So uh, that's the thing that I'm going to be most hoping for some development with.
3: Oh no, he has that throwaway line of dialogue. I left Christine. Who was his fiance? So I I guess she's just not going to be in it, which seems kind of strange. Oh, did
2: did he? I didn't even catch that. No, 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 no. I know. I I I, I think I think he says I love Christine. Oh, I love Christine, but I don't want her to get hurt. Okay,
3: I thought that was very strange.
2: Yeah, no, they're not going to just write her out like that. Yeah, no.
3: But yeah, the 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 characters are not the most fleshed out. I mean, it's from David Greenwald, uh, at least partially, and he did Buffy and Angel. Um, of course with Joss Whedon so it has a good pedigree but I don't know it's better than expected but then it took a turn into clicheville so we'll see what happens
2: Mm -hmm. and then of course they tease you with with this potential serialized element of oh who are the monsters working for or what have you which was I think a little unnecessary I, I still better than expected I think
3: so how does it compare with your thoughts on Once Upon a Time, which the pilot of which aired on Sunday?
2: You know, it's funny because my initial reaction to this whole thing was, okay, so there's two modern fairy tale shows, and they're, I mean, not only this season, but actually, you know, sort of airing the same week, which uh, which seems like a lot. That seems like more than one is strange. That, that said, they turn out to be uh, very different shows, and, not, and I think on just about every level, uh, Once Upon a Time. I didn't think it was uh, perfect, but I think it was sort of a refreshingly ambitious show. I mean, this, I mean, it goes all in with, with this, with this concept. Uh, you know, you have Jennifer Morrison as this uh, sort of wandering, wandering into a place that's actually called Storybrooke and, you know, sort of um, bonding with her biological son. And we get hints of who, um, you know, who who makes up this town and Robert Carlyle is, 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 Appropriately creepy as as Stiltskin in both uh, modern and and uh, mythical incarnation. Um, you know, I I'm not exactly sure where they're going with it in terms of like what what is the average episode of Once Upon a Time going to look like. I'm not sure if the pilot really gives me a, a hint of that. Uh, and I'm also not really sure how long they can really stretch out a, a fairly what seems like a fairly one-dimensional conflict. But uh, I'm curious to see what where they're going with it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I should state up front that I enjoy fairy tales. I'm a big fairy tale fan. And uh, due to my sister, I've watched the Tenth Kingdom miniseries several times because she loves that. So I'm very familiar with these characters. I thought it was um, very ABC the world of Disney to see Geppetto and Pinocchio in our fairy tale world where the rest of them mm-hmm. are... Grimm and Han Christian Andersen kind of characters. But um, that being said I do like the cast. I um, I think the show could very much be a show for me but I am not that interested in the flashbacks that are apparently going to be a big part of the show. It seems to me that if these characters in Storybrooke don't have any memory of Of their past lives why do I care about finding out about their past lives because it doesn't inform anything that they're doing or saying now because they don't remember it
2: well I mean it's still who they are regardless of whether or not they remember it it's it's informing us about them I mean hopefully those flashbacks will contain information that isn't aren't just in the legends
3: yes but the thing for me is you know and of course this is from some of the creators of Lost and so that flashback um, format is is so somewhat similar to to with lost, but with lost, you, these choices that these characters had made in their lives strongly influenced who they were and what their choices would be in the future. But if all of that is wiped away, then why do I care?
2: Because it's going to be all about the characters, Kate. All about the characters. Don't you remember that mantra?
3: Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways. That being said, I still am interested in, in, in watching it, and yeah, I think it's promising. I don't know. There seemed like there was a lot, there were a lot of naysayers out there about this one, but and maybe I just enjoy watching Jennifer Morrison. I think she has a good rapport with Henry, her son. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good cast. It's an interesting premise. We'll see how they handle it. I'm sticking around for yeah. a little bit.
2: I uh, I'm 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 less interested in sort of the stuff between Jennifer Morrison and the kid, mostly because precocious children are like not my favorite uh, plot point or sort of character type. Uh, But yeah, I'll I'll definitely tune in next week, see where they're going with it. See if they're hopefully going to throw in a little more nuance into the, into the evil good dynamic, which I know is not necessarily the strong suit of fairy tales,
3: but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Also on Sunday was the amazing race and the twins got eliminated this week. Which it was was about damn time because they have been uh, at the bottom. They got saved last week because it was a non-elimination round, but um, they took it well and they uh, they they had some hits that some things that did not break in their favor, but they still uh, were good sports about it. And I, I mean, on this kind of show, there's so much that is out of your control. Like, what taxi driver do you get, for example, can decide whether you win or are eliminated. So the bet—the only thing you can really do is control your reaction to the situation and how you handle the pressure that you're put in into. So, um, in that case, I thought they, they did well. The snowboarders dropped down from first place to like fourth, but, uh, and that's fine. You know, that'll, that'll happen. Apparently they are very religious, which, uh, with uh, a new wrinkle, something we found out this week, uh, which I'm sure will make them very popular amongst a large percentage of the uh, the, the viewing population. Um, my only issue with that was that there was no explanation given via editing as to why the bus they left on an hour before anybody else came back, got to the place they were going so much later than everybody else. So... It was just all of a sudden, wait, the snowboarders haven't been on screen for quite a while. What's going on with them? Okay, now they're fourth. So it was kind of weird. But um, I still really enjoy the show and they're still my pick. I think they'll come back. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Um, then on Sunday, we also, of course, had The Walking Dead, which uh, you weren't as big of a fan of as I was and Ricky loved it. And we talked about that on The Walking Dead podcast.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a downtick this week. Um, hopefully, the cliffhanger at the end of of this episode will bring more fun and less whining.
3: (laughs) You and your whining, uh, or Lori and her whining from your perspective. No, no,
2: it's, it's, it's not so much Lori whining as just everyone agonizing over the children and I don't know. I, I just want a little more action in my zombie action. Is that so much to ask?
3: Yes, it is too much. How dare you, sir? Um, Ugh. that, that's just a slight, uh, preview of what our uh, other podcast, uh, it's like a half an hour basically of us arguing, which I think is fun. So, mm-hmm. um, so people can check that out at the site. Um, but then on Monday, uh, you, there was the third episode of Enlightened and, uh, what did you think of that one?
2: Oh, uh, well, they seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern, uh, to me right now because they're, they're, they're having trouble. I, I feel with the supporting characters. So many of them are, are one dimensional Either, you know, they're just varying degrees of pathetic losers or people who have wronged the Laura Dern character. And I mean, this week saw her trying to get a new job, which I think was it was a good move. Also featuring an appearance from Scott Wilson, who seems to be all over the TV these days. So good for him. But uh, I I'm hoping that they find ways to mix it up with a supporting cast uh, soon. Otherwise, it's going to become a, 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 an extremely redundant series to watch.
3: Then that takes us to How I Met Your Mother. And speaking of actors popping up on multiple episodes, we got to see Frances Conroy back as Barney's mother in a very parentally themed episode. So, what did you think?
2: I I really dug the hell out of this. I mean, any any time you bring in not just Frances Conroy but Chris Elliott uh, is gonna be is gonna be a good time. Uh, I should mention that uh, Eagleheart was probably one of the more fun sort of. Uh, sort of one-off summer series this year. And so it was, it was great to see him. I thought this was one of the better episodes of the season. I think just because it was d- more devoted to wackiness than sort of, um, you know, sort of trying to probe into Ted's dating issues or, you know, sort of trying to do sort of, you know, doomy me prof- prophesizing about the future of the group and sort of just more wackiness, which, which I enjoyed. And I, I don't know, I, I just the, the creepy parental humor I really enjoyed.
3: Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I'm glad that you liked it because uh, I think I, I laughed out loud a lot, and I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. And as much as it was great to see Chris Elliott back, I also had a lot of fun with Bill Fagerbakke back as as Marshall's dad. Of course, the last time we saw him was shortly after the character had died, and it was a very touching. Appearance, so it was nice to have something funny to to remember the character by. I mean, it was something that you could see coming as soon as he said Marshall was saying that Lily was nothing like his mom. I I was like, yeah, but I bet she's like his dad, and that's where it went. But it was still so well handled and played that I didn't care.
2: The only thing that the episode didn't quite give us that I was really hoping for would be a shot of Lily's dad and Marshall's dad together in bed we we, we we sort of get like a like a shot counter shot where that sort of happened but to see them in the same shot i think would have been hilarious oh they were but that's no they, no they they weren't quite they almost yes, were they were I was, they I was,
3: almost what? kissed yes did they Ah, uh, i may mean, i must
2: have blinked oh well
3: <laughs> it was very brief
2: it was a great visual gag yeah and and also i think and also i think it was the first episode to make actually funny use of the kelpan character who i think had sort of been it hadn't been quite working for me in terms of the comic rhythms and here, you know, because he's, you know, so, sort of, he sort of brings about talking about the, the whole, the whole Oedipal or other, other Greek words. I'm not thinking of uh, complexes <laughs> going on without hammering on it. Too much.
3: Yeah. The only thing that would have been nice would have been a brief, what appearance of uh, Ray wise as, uh, as, as Cal Penn's character, uh, at, you know, of course he's, the actor who's been playing Robin's father most recently uh, but yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun and i I think it was a good job of tackling what is a common topic um you when when approaching relationships it's you know something that is said to be very common so it was nice to see them approach that topic and, and handle it very well I thought so. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been going on for a while now let's let's go to our break and we'll come back with our spotlights on The Good Wife and Homeland so we'll be right back back that was riot rhythm by Slaybells, which was used i would say rather memorably in this week's episode of the good wife which was martha's and caitlin's uh what did you think of this week's episode
2: oh i thought it was a blast this week i mean they had this ridiculously if you really thought about it it was ridiculously contrived the the, the way they brought back to Baker's character (laughs) and it almost laughably so but and 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 I think the end of the episode contrives to maybe potentially bring him back at some point in the future. But that's great because he's so fun to watch on the show, and the, especially the way he he interacts with uh, Juliana Margulies. Uh, their sort of chemistry is fantastic. That music cue, when they're when they're in that initial interview room and that riff kicks in, I laughed out loud. I think that was the hardest I've laughed at anything just it this and this whole week of t v and that and that's saying something I thought that was fantastic um i I was a little bit less happy when the song returned later. it felt like it ruined the moment, but um, I also love the deliciously awkward stuff between um Margalese and her daughter's tutor, which was i i was i don't know there was just something about their conversation that really put me on edge like, oh, this is a bad parenting moment um anyway, uh, what were your thoughts?
3: Um, I absolutely agree. I had a lot of fun with this episode. Um, I mean, Dylan Baker's always great on, on the show when they brought him on. This is now his third appearance and you're right. It is absolutely contrived for him to be involved. And particularly the way they played at the beginning of the episode was like, oh, that's who the name is. Oh, they'll he'll talk to Alicia, <laughs> you know, and you know, maybe that would have been effective if they hadn't been splashing his face all over the promos. But since we all knew he was going to be in this week's episode, it just felt very phony. Um, and I did, I did actually also really like that scene with, with Alicia and, and the tutor. Because you're right, it was awkward, but it was just perfectly handled. I thought that was great. Um, for for me, what I thought was particularly interesting... Well, I liked the whole Martha and Caitlin discussion. I thought that was well done. I thought the ending was very effective and interesting, mm-hmm. and I thought it made sense, though Martha is still completely screwed, which is too bad for her. But um, the thing that I took away from this episode more than anything else was that the the scenes with Dylan Baker in the prison yard started out having no tension because I was almost positive they were not going to, going to kill him because they wanted to, you know, I'm sure they want to bring him back in the future. Uh, and yet... At the end of that sequence, when he approaches the guy for the second time, I did start to get worried for him. I did buy into the the scene, and uh, it was, at at the end, a very tense moment. And so I thought that was very well handled and played, and yeah, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I I think the key decision of that sequence was to have us only view it through the security footage. Uh, which which I think adds uh, that, that that element of distance adds adds of adds that tension and danger, and I liked I really liked all the stuff with Carrie this week. I thought he had one of his probably his m- most interesting week this season. Just the way he was sort of playing off of uh, the Lockhart Gardner folk, and sort of um, and uh, sort of it, being inquisitive with his uh, with his I, I, again I don't know exactly how to describe her his. His 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 observer colleague, who's watching the 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 the, the deals, uh, I thought I thought that was fantastic. I also really liked everything between Margulies and Lisa Edelstein, and I think they've been making fantastic use of that character because it, it really felt like for a little while they were gonna make her into a sort of one dimensional sort of almost like demon lady. <laughs> and they're they're really not they're really not going that way with it. And I guess I should have seen that coming because this is a show that, that zags where you think it'll zig. Um, and I, I I think that her warning about Will was actually earnest. And I the only my only concern is how long can they really stretch out the the concept of Will as like an actual romantic partner? Because it's clear that he has innumerable skeletons in the closet that they're they're just going to drag out every once in a while. And I I, I think it's clear that he's there's a lot that he's not telling her. And I think that she, she's smart and she'll clue into that soon if the writers know what they're doing. So I'm not really sure where they're going with that, or how long they they feel like they can drag it out. But uh, I, I did think it was a really strong episode, regardless.
3: What did you think of that scene with, uh, with Celeste and Alicia at the bar? Because my my initial reaction was that Celeste played her like a fiddle, because at the end of that conversation, Alicia had confirmed not only that they're together, but Celeste had managed to plant the seeds of doubt in her. About, you know, she mentioned very slyly or, you know, just, you know, in passing that he had embezzled money, but then had put it back. And I don't know. I, I couldn't decide if I thought that she was trying to play her or was genuine or both.
2: I, I'm feeling both. I mean, I, I think that I think it's easier to mess with someone if you're going to mess with someone with the truth. And I I, I think that we're going to be getting a lot more of sort of Will's dark side coming out over the course of the season. Um, And speaking of dark sides and things that I'm not really sure how they're going to pull this off in this episode, Eli promises to get Alicia and her husband back living in the same space, which seems like a tall order. Uh, Where do you think they're going with that?
3: It's a tall order, but if anybody can do it, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think Eli, he should know Alicia better than to think that he can just talk to her and, and say, hey, how would it be to be the wife of blah, 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 and that that will convince her. He should know her better than that. So I like to think he has something else up his sleeve, but we'll see. And I, And I have to say, for somebody who's having a very clandestine relationship as in she doesn't want anybody to know about uh about will alicia really is not playing that as close to the vest as she should be particularly with celeste if, if if anyone so i don't know plus i don't
2: know if i were eli and she was giving me any resistance about moving back in with her husband i would just say and i don't maybe i've got my politics wrong I would just say get divorced. It could be another thing that's sympathetic for him. You know, he gets he gets wrongfully convicted. He gets dumped by his wife, and I don't know. I I could see that being like a another sympathy card, but I don't know. I understand that divorce is it brings up all sorts of complicated emotions, but
3: I, I could I could see
2: that working for him.
3: Uh, I don't know. I don't think that works in because so much of his uh, the public's forgiveness of him has been based on Alicia's reaction and her standing by him. That comment we had last season about how, with Alicia, he's JFK, and without Alicia, he's just another scumbag politician. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess
2: people. I guess people don't really have sympathy for for men left behind in the same way that they do for women. Am I wrong?
3: Well, and I think it has more to do with the fact that he got caught with a prostitute. And so it's the idea of if she can forgive him, we can forgive him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
3: But I don't know. I don't know. I am
2: I just feel like there has to be a, a better angle than let's force these people to live together. Oh, but yeah. maybe there isn't.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, that's also Eli being Eli. Who knows um, if he actually, you know, he, he, of course, he thinks he can do it. But that doesn't mean that he'll be able to. So we'll see. Yeah. Um. Let's move to Homeland. What did you think of this week's uh, episode?
2: Uh, this this was another Cracker Jack installment, I thought. Um, the show's just really uh, coming along at a really nice rate. And what's really impressive is that each week they've been adding characters, or at least fleshing out more characters in more situations. And so far, none of their existing sort of uh, groups of characters have suffered for it. I think that that's really interesting. I mean, th- this time around, we get more with her... Uh, with her, with Claire Danes co-workers and superiors, and they've got their own dynamics running. Uh, and we don't, we, although we don't quite lose sight of Saul, uh, Mandy Patinkin's character either. Uh, at the same time, everything that's happening in the in the homestead is is still interesting. I mean, it, the sort of what happened with the deer, I think, was fairly predictable, but um, it did lead to the whole uh, veterans uh, group thing, which we'll we'll get to that afterwards. But um, and and of course, also we expanded to include the uh, mysterious, uh, sinister couple who are living by the airport, uh, which was. I'm wondering how much of their activity we're going to to get because obviously that's a, that's a, a very different vantage point, and I'm not sure how much information they're going to want to give us. But uh, I think the writing and uh, directing acting has been very sly so far, and it's 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 it hasn't really broken a sweat doing it either.
3: Yeah, the um. There are a few things about this episode. I I really like this episode, but there are a few things that in particular stood out to me. Um, And the first is that, and this is something that Corey mentioned in his review on the site, but I thought it was an excellent decision to jump forward three weeks between the two episodes, last week's and this week's. I think that was a great decision. I was very pleasantly surprised to see that they had done that. And uh, I did not expect them to stop the, the surveillance element of the show so quickly. Mm. I was certain we were going to have weeks and weeks, if not most of the season of Claire Danes watching, uh, sorry, Carrie watching Brody via camera or, or something. So I, that was something I absolutely did not expect. Um, and I kept waiting for them to undo it somehow in the episode, but they didn't. And that was great. (laughs) Um, also, I had some problems with Marina Background last week. I didn't I wasn't really um digging all of her performance, but I thought she was fantastic here. I thought I really liked her. I thought she was great in her scenes with with her kids and with with mm-hmm. Brody and with Mike. Just I thought it, it was great and I'm really liking what we're seeing from that character. And that's another thing to having to do with them jumping in time three weeks. We're not getting weeks and weeks of um Brody being suspicious about Jessica and Mike, it, you know, it's, we, we skipped past all that and I'm very glad that we did, so, um, mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, that, it's
2: still an issue, but... yeah,
3: but we're not spending just weeks of him being angsty, but not, no one confronting it, nothing happening with it, so I, I was, you know, like I said, I was very pleasantly surprised, um, but let's get to that last scene,
2: uh, the, oh, you mean, yes, the encounter, uh, of course, with the surveillance down, um, Claire Danes' character needs uh, a new way to watch uh, Brody. So she actually visits him in person. She actually makes makes an, an excuse to encounter him. Yeah, that was an incredibly loaded scene. Uh, I mean, how much of how much of her smile is genuine? You know, how much of um, how far is she going to go with it? Is she going to go into all the way into marriage destabilizing mode, which it seems like she's really into. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The fun to me of Homeland is, is who is the villain? You know, is it Claire Danes's character who is ostensibly, you know, the, the Jack Bauer replacement, but is incredibly devious about almost everything with almost everyone. You know, is it Brody whose motivations we still don't understand? And by the way, how fantastic is Damian Lewis on this show? Holy crap, uh, he's he's uh, to me his performance is reaching almost you know Bryan Cranston John Hamm levels of of genius, and I think he's got he's gotten there really quickly. Um, and that actually and that brings up another thing to me, which is that when they're prepping these episodes, like how much how much information are they giving the Damien uh, Damian Lewis about his character? Like how much is, is, he, is he being given limited information or does he have all the information? And I'm also wondering, you know, which choice is ballsier. Uh, I mean, I guess that's probably something that's going to come out uh, if, as the showrunners do more interviews as the, as the show carries on. But I think that the way his performance has limited our understanding of his character while still being sort of relatable and human ha- has been incredible.
3: Um, well, and he's very good this week as as he always is but i i i just it just occurred to me that we didn't get flashbacks from him this week
2: no no we didn't we have some hallucinations but uh, not outright flashbacks yeah
3: and that's that's interesting and i think that's a good sign that i didn't notice or miss them um and and in my analysis of his character and in second guessing everything that he's doing and it is a wonderful portrayal by by Damian Lewis. Yeah, I think that's I'm sorry, I'm just a bit of a lot at a loss for words cuz I didn't even notice that.
2: Mhm. also there were shades of Arlington Road this week. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh just the way our you know the these sort of these uh, nefarious figures are hiding out in some anonymous uh, sort of what looks like a like a suburb near near the airport. Um, and the, sort of that whole moment with where they have to, ha- you know, hang up the American flag as a sort of sign to to not go in there, and that whole thing was, was really uh, was was quite tense and exciting. Uh, i they're, they're the characters that I'm most wondering about. What's what is their deal? Are they going to be made sympathetic somehow?
3: It reminds me very strongly of one of the seasons of 24. Um, I I thought it was. I was wondering if they were going to go for it a direct parallel where the, the blonde white wife is actually the terrorist and the husband doesn't know anything about it, but it seems that they have not. And I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting because it did occur to me that we don't actually know what their relationship is at all. I I believe she gives him a hug or something this week, but Mm -hmm. we really have no, we see a wedding ring on her, finger if i recall correctly but we don't really know anything about them so
2: or their plan or their plan for that matter yeah like we, we we only know that they're up to something that's pretty much it and um yeah i mean there's there's so many uh, interesting questions floating around there and the fact that the cia we we see them drop the ball on them is is really interesting like we know that they're in the clear for now mhm and, and and which also means that we know that Carrie is. I mean, maybe she's wrong about Brody. Maybe she isn't, but she's she's missed something. And I'm curious to see what that's going to mean for her in the future.
3: Yeah, for someone who's so um, intense, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. figuring out that she's dropped the ball again will that could that could easily unhinge her. I think so.
2: We also don't get any mention of her mental problems this week which uh, I'm sure we're, we're is, is going to be something that, that pops up. We have a lot of TV antiheroes with health issues these days, don't we? Yeah,
3: just a few, just a few.
2: Um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see you when, uh, when that pops up. Has, has Homeland been renewed yet, by the way? Just curious. I
3: don't believe it has. Um, I know that there have been interviews with the creators where they've said they have a plan for if it gets picked up for what the season two would look like. Um, so and I you know and there hasn't been any sort of Venusude comments as to whether or not this will be resolved at the end of the first season, this question mm-hmm. about Brody. But, um, but no, I, I I it hasn't yet. And and I don't I haven't heard that. It, I know that it premiered to strong ratings. I don't know how it's held up, but I haven't heard that it's dropped out either. So,
2: mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not getting Dexter numbers. But I I, I really hope they they keep going with it. I, it would be kind of cool if, you know, the whole the whole Brody plot line was the subject of one season and then we kept on with the Clear Danes character through something else. But I, that being said, I don't want to see Damien Lewis go anywhere, so I'm very conflicted. Uh, but I do like closures, so, ah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what they should do. But I'm sure that, uh, I mean, if they carry on like they've been going, I'm sure they'll make the smart choice.
3: Yeah, it's just, it's so nice to have a show, now that Breaking Bad is off the air, it's so nice to have a show where I have no idea where it's going for really mm-hmm. any of the characters, so yeah it's it's mm-hmm. great, I'm really enjoying the show,
2: yeah, except that we assume that marina Back isn't gonna be having much fun,
3: yes, probably not, probably not, okay, which is too bad, but yeah, so it's it's been a nice week, a nice you know laid back week of t v which is uh which was fun, I thought, and some some good stay outs so yeah. You know,
2: TV's supposed to be laid back, right?
3: Oh yeah, I guess that's what it's normally like <laughs> for other people. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, good times. Well, let's before before we go to our DVD shelf with the ever entertaining Jim Bruce. Um, of course, we are up on iTunes, and people can subscribe to us there and leave uh, ratings. Would be great, and of course, come to the website soundinsight org. And leave us some comments. Let's go for let's go for three comments this week. Uh Ooh,
2: ambitious.
3: Ambitious, but I think we can do it. So Sean and Sean and Dan and Keith and Mario and uh and T Mac and all T-Mac. the T Mac. Yeah, everybody that we know is listening. Let us know what you think. Let us know uh what how you think about what you think about these new pilots, what you think about um Homeland and Goodwife or what your favorite show is that you're watching. Um yeah, leave, leave us some feedback about uh, Joan of Arcadia if, if you have seen it or are um, curious about it. Uh, yeah just let us, let us know what you're thinking. It's always more fun if we can make this as interactive as possible. Um, and then of course we it would be great to get some email where' at uh, we have a Gmail account so it's the at gmail.com and uh, then of course I'm on Twitter at the Televerse, and you are.
2: I am at Sucker Howell. and actually while I've mentioned my Twitter feed uh, and since you've just mentioned Joan of Arcadia, I wanna I wanna issue a quick challenge to the showrunners of Grimm and Once Upon a Time. If either of you have the gumption to include Jesus or God as one of your fairy tale characters, I'll give you fifty dollars.
1: <laughs> I
3: don't see that happening, but who knows. Probably not. <laughs> oh, fifty
2: dollars.
3: A shiny fifty dollars. Oh, good times. Canadian,
2: which is I I think now worth more than your money.
3: Oh, yeah, way to rub it in. I meant to ask, do you guys do Halloween up there? That's like probably very, you know. Do we
2: do Halloween? Yes, we do Halloween.
3: I don't know. You do. You have your hippie Thanksgiving in October. <laughs> what am I supposed to, you know? For all I know, you have like a Halloween-ish thing in December.
1: Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> yes, we do Halloween. Good time. I don't, know, but but the country as a whole does.
3: I roll. Halloween is awesome. I will be putting up a picture of myself in my totally badass Halloween costume. Um, on Twitter, that'll be my new Twitter picture this this week, and it is of a show, somebody from a show that we have covered. So that's a nice little teaser for people if they want to try to guess. I don't know. I, I I love Halloween. I think it's a lot of fun. But um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. Of course, so leave us uh, a comment, rate us, give us um, uh, send us an email, and uh, oh, before I forget, of course, our intro and outro music is "Sweet Petite" by The Bicycles. And anything that I forgot, Simon
2: nope let's get out of here
3: let's get out of here uh so we'll take a break and come back with our interview with jim bruce
1: Joan, i want to talk to you Lisa,
3: hey, so i'm missing something we are talking
1: i mean i want to be honest okay who are you i saw you didn't I? I saw you saw me where outside of your house look i didn't mean to scare you whoa whoa, whoa wait that was you well, that guy was an old guy Okay, this is the difficult part. I don't always look the same. (laughs) What are you talking about? What do you want with me? I gotta warn you, my dad's a cop. He's not just any cop, he is THE cop. I know who your father is, Joe. He's Will Girardi, born September 4th, 1955, in Chicago. His father was Gerald Girardi, his mother was Eleanor Monroe. He had an uneventful childhood, attended Mother Cabrini High School, then Morton Junior College. After that, he joined the police force in 1980. And he met your mother when Helen Brody, she was an art school dropout. You're the middle child of three. About a year and a half ago, your older brother, Kevin, was in a car accident. Fractured his back, left him a paraplegic. You have one other brother, Luke, who's 15. Your favorite color is green. You love salt on cantaloupe. Jim Doss broke your heart in eighth grade. You're afraid of clowns. Who are you? I've known you since before you were born, Joan. I ask you one more time? I'm God. What is...
3: Welcome back you're listening to the televerse with kate kalzik and simon howell and it's time for our trip to the dvd shelf and this week to help us talk joan of arcadia we're happy to welcome jim bruce welcome to the show jim hey everybody how's it going good so uh thank you for coming on and thank you for picking joan of arcadia it was i, I mean having listened to the paul Gobel show uh which you are of course one of the co-hosts um I I shouldn't have been surprised, knowing your love for Amber Tamblyn, that this was your choice. But what is it about Joan of Arcadia that that makes it your favorite
0: show? Well, the funny thing is, uh, I would say that my love of Amber Tamblyn started with Joan of Arcadia and uh, fondness for the show. So the show comes before the girl, oddly enough. (laughs) Um, What I liked about the show, um, well, I'm sure you know the difference between science fiction and science fantasy, right? Mm
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, some people don't like uh, my mom, for example, <laughs> would not know the difference between science fiction and science fantasy, and and I tend to prefer science fiction over science fantasy. I prefer like the idea that I know how the gadget. I know that these gadgets don't really work, but if they if we they did work, it's grounded in reasonable science. It's not just magical devices.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And in. In some sense, I've always thought um, Joan of Arcadia was a little bit like that as far as a show about religion. Whether or not there is a God, it seems to be rooted like if you actually ever did meet God, it seems to be rooted more in uh, a fundamental understanding of how it seems God works according to most major religions versus just magical thinking of Hey, we met God and he did lots of neat things for us, like on your highways to heaven or whatever. So that was the first thing that I really liked about it.
3: So you prefer this kind of God as opposed to your more Morgan Freeman, you get to be God for a day kind of God.
0: Yeah, and, and more like in a lot of TV shows, when you meet God... uh he does wonderful things for you, um, or if you meet angels, they do—they pull tricks, and they do great things, but any human being who struggles with faith, if you have faith, or even if you don't have faith, the reason you do or don't have faith is related to a struggle because I don't care how often you pray that your aunt gets better, your aunt either is or isn't going to get better in reality. On TV, angels show up, and they cure cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that doesn't really happen, or it certainly hasn't happened in my life. In my life, more or less, it's been up to me. And if there is a God, and that's a, again a rather touchy subject, but if there is one, it's not a God that actively fixes things. It's certainly it's one you have to seek out. So.
3: Yeah, and it, that's something that I think they examine very well on the show. In case someone, you know, anyone listening isn't familiar with Joan of Arcadia, it was a series that ran on CBS for a couple years back in the early 2000s. And it it's about a girl played by Amber Tamblin, Joan, who starts being approached by and talked to by God. And they and he or she asks Joan to do things and it's sort of how her life in, you know, in high school with all that standard uh, high school stuff is affected um, and her, how her family is affected by this change. And yeah. they do a good job of presenting. I mean, it's, it's a straightforward presentation, but of still having the one parent is much more religious and watch one is much less. And it's very much informed by, their personalities and their jobs and their histories uh, i thought it was interesting to make the father played by joe Montaigne, who is a, a cop to make him have had a strong upbringing in in the church but to have gotten away from that due to the experiences of his life and he's the, the skeptic and then the mom starts getting especially towards the second season is uh, seeing dreams having visions and things and so she's much more religious but I, I like that they don't really give an answer. I mean, the premise for the show is that yes, there is a God, and He's deciding to hang out with Joan, right. but but it's not any sort of answers. There's never answers, and I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, the um, again for people who didn't watch the show, um, as you touched on, that part of the uh, one of the hooks was that whenever God appears, God could appear as any number of characters. God could look like anything um, and specifically lets Joan know that he doesn't look like any of these things because he doesn't he looks like, just kind of as as most people have always said, that God probably looks like something beyond your experience and beyond probably your ability to comprehend so even if you go Old Testament, God appears as a burning bush which I suppose means that Moses saw a lot of fires, I don't know but <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Moses was this? a pyro. I like it. Um, so then, yeah, I, I remember watching the show when it was on. Um, it's actually interesting. The same year that Joan of Arcadia premiered, Wonderfalls premiered as well on, on Fox, which was another show about a young girl who starts having visions or something similar. In that case, animal, animal figurines start telling her to do stuff and to help people. Um, and so it was interesting. I wonder what was going on in you know, in, in our society at the time to spark su- such interest in that topic, but they both took very different approaches and seemed yeah. to have very different things to say about religion and about faith and just about day-to-day life. Um, but I think they're both, I think they're both good shows and a lot of fun. Um, Simon, what was your experience with Joan of Arcadia before this?
2: Well, uh, I had none and okay. I had no, I had no real feelings one way or the other, uh, about Amber Tamblin. When I started watching the show, I was quite convinced I was not going to like it at all. I was extremely off-put, unsettled by the whole idea that this young girl would be visited by a god who says he's the biblical slash Quranic god, yet seems a whole lot friendlier. Uh, And, you know, you're correct, uh, Jim, that he's not—he or she isn't usually outwardly helpful— but also you know just not the sort of the levels of of cruelty and uh extreme <laughs> extreme, extreme manic behavior we see in uh in in religious texts so I, on, on like a theological level i'm not totally down with the show that being said um i do think it has some interesting stuff going on and i do think that it's a decent show that occasionally threatens to be a really really good one um what i found interesting watching it especially was um Uh, Essentially what I did was I watched the first five or six episodes and because of time constraints, I skipped ahead to watch the season one finale and then watch some of season two and then watch the season two finale. And I I found that with their finales, they really took huge risks and sort of threatened to become a more complicated, slightly darker, slightly more uh, more sort of morally ambiguous show.
0: It's funny you bring that up because one of the things – well, one of the things I've always thought was – uh, about god in general and of course my opinions about god sort of inform my viewing of the show um just as yours will inform your viewing of the show and, and all that is that i've always thought that there's this funny weird disconnect between the 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 jewish god and the christian god and i find it to be a funny disconnect because in principle it's the same god you know in principle we should be saying that that it's the same god and Theologians certainly can debate up and down about whether or not it actually could possibly even be the same God, um, but in some ways it's just not. You know, the 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 way that Christians paint God and the way that that uh, Judaism, classic Judaism, paints God is definitely very different. And sometimes it seemed to me that this show was uh, cueing pretty close to what I I think is the Jewish conception of God for a highly Catholic-influenced show. You know, the woman who uh, created the show was Catholic, and it was informed by her upbringing as well. I found that kind of interesting because the God in this show isn't always really nice, which I like.
3: I mean, he's not the smitey Old Testament God, certainly, but he also isn't really there, and and I enjoyed that, he doesn't really make it he makes it clear that he's not really there to make sure joan's life is great or to to solve problems for her um yeah. it's very, there, there's a strong theme of self-reliance in in this series um that i think is refreshing for a show that followed up for example um touched by an angel it it was pr- pr- um preceded by touched by an angel and and then interestingly followed by the ghost whisperer so there's a nice transition there I suppose uh, between the three. But um and I'll be honest, I watched Touched by an Angel when I was little. I I, I watched lots of, of the CBS fair, Walker Texas Ranger, etc. And so sure. so um that I mean while it is I would say a non threatening positive uh portrayal of, of religion and God and all of that, um, it certainly isn't just, you know, show up magic wand poof your brother is no longer paralyzed sort of a situation so you know i I like that there's a little more it's a little more even in its approach yeah
0: well i mean i think it posits the question that i think i've asked myself which what is what is the point of faith when it just doesn't seem to do anything and uh and so if there is a value to faith that's internal and and i think that might also be why the show didn't last
3: yeah, it had really strong ratings in its first season, but those went, da- they went declined rather dramatically in, in the second season. Um, I'm curious what you what you guys think about that. And I, and let's, I, I'd like to get more into the show itself, um, and sure. the specifics of it. But um, I for what is it very? I feel like it's very much of its time. Um, particularly with the underscoring, as Simon and, and our listeners can tell you, Jim. I'm uh, a big uh. I really notice underscoring in, in TV, and this was very on the nose a lot of the time.
0: Well, no, it's for sure, like, it's influenced by, I don't know, like, your Ally McBeals and your um, Dawson's Creek and all that stuff, for sure, like, with the music where you go, oh, yeah, and, and, like, at the end of every episode, it said, if you like the music in this, you can find this music, and which was very much a thing that was going on in a lot of shows.
2: Although speaking of music, did anyone else notice? I mean, I was catching up with it with the show on DVD. Did anyone else notice that the the show intro is only on once a disc? They don't tend to in- include it in every episode. I wonder if 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 they were embarrassed by it or what, because the intro is very strange. I don't know if, if they continued to use it in the, in the second season. I only noticed it on the first season disc, and it it was it was really weird. Like, I mean, not just the use of the Joan Osborne song, but also they throw in images of the Buddha and Bob Dylan and not really sure what they were going for there i
3: don't know i thought that that worked i actually enjoyed the title sequence i mean it's very again of its time with the the cuts and then freeze frames of each of the characters um like they like to do uh but uh, you know it, it should have maybe bothered me that they used you know what if god was one of us as their uh theme song but i thought it was appropriate and I don't know. I guess it speaks to my enjoyment of the show that I was willing to give that to them. It didn't. It didn't really bother me.
2: I guess all I could yeah, think but... of was if if Bob Dylan was God or spoke to God, why did he just steal so many lyrics?
0: <laughs> Snap. Um, but <laughs> uh... Bob Dylan and or God.
3: Let's talk about uh, let's talk about these characters. And I speaking of Dawson's Creek, there's a very strong I would say influence of of that on the the siblings of course it's Joan and she has an older brother and a younger brother and the younger brother is the ridiculous brainiac who's spouting off about string theory and et, et cetera when he's what is he supposed to be a freshman <laughs> at the beginning supposed of be the he's
0: 15 sh- years old at the beginning yeah. of the show yeah he's yeah. clearly a wonder kid and uh tv shows certainly have their a lot of a lot more wonder kids than i ever met
3: well, like I, I was one of those overachieving high school students, and in all the advanced science classes, and there was nobody like that in my high school. Maybe we just weren't smart enough, but uh, yeah. I did enjoy the performance and the and the character. And when I was watching this, because I, I remembered, of course, um, that Mary Steenburgen and uh, Joe Mantegna were the parents. I did not remember that uh, that Jason Ritter was the older brother, and so that was a nice surprise for me.
0: Yeah. um I really liked him. Uh, I, uh, through no uh, effort on my own, I ended up meeting Jason Ritter. And um, a, a conversation about Joan of Arcadia occurred. And he he made an interesting comment that I enjoyed just as an observation of the show. I guess when he got cast, there was a little bit of a controversy about why didn't they cast an actual paralyzed actor somebody who was actually in a wheelchair, why did you cast somebody who could walk? And, uh, and you know, because there's always groups that stand up for underrepresented people on TV and, and uh, you know, people who are in wheelchairs probably only have a certain amount of roles they can play. And uh, his answer, which I thought was interesting, which I guess came from the creator, Barbara Hall, was that they wanted an actor, they wanted the audience to imagine that it was at least possible on the show that the character could be cured.
3: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's something that comes up several times. And I think that there's, I think that's a good point. And I, it also opens them to the possibility of doing what they did on the show several times, which are flashbacks or dream sequences where he, where he walks. And I think that was effective and it's smart of them to, to have that option. Yeah.
0: And I'll tell you something else. My, my personal theory about the show when I heard that was, I bet they want you to think that he could walk someday so that it's even more annoying than he never does. Because I think that's what they were doing.
3: You didn't believe the psychic that he would uh, dance at his wedding?
0: No, no. <laughs> my my theory was just that, I mean, it was always possible that they were leading to something where through the aid of prosthetics or through the aid of whatever, he did something symbolically like dancing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because cause the show wasn't about... Uh, certainly not in the in the short span it was on. The show the show wasn't about big old miracles. The show was about uh, the sort of the tiny things that we do to make each other's lives harder or better. You know, there's a great episode where Joan is asked to get her friend a uh, encourage her friend to get a part time job. It's the dumbest little thing. Her friend is supposed to get a part time job, and And it's a friend that everybody finds annoying because she's kind of very, you know, mouthy or whatever. But anyway, she's supposed to get her friend a part-time job. Did you watch that episode by any chance?
3: No, I didn't get to that one.
0: Well, it was interesting because what happens is she keeps trying and then her mom, the mom of her friend, won't let her get a part-time job. And and it's annoying, but she's like, You gotta keep trying to get her this part time job and you think, Well, why are you doing this? And in the end it turns out that the girl doesn't have a social security number because she was uh abducted as a child and that's not her real mom. And it kinda screws up her whole life, but then it ends because the mom pulled the basically she's a good person who pulled this baby out of a bad situation but was still kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And uh and I liked that episode a lot because Joan did a little thing and it did have a major impact, but the major impact was very real life, something that was gonna happen anyway, which was eventually this is gonna come back and bite you. It might be better if it did now so you can kind of clean this up. That's just very typical of a good jo- of a good episode. A good episode whenever, you know, God's advice the ultimate you know result isn't necessarily some big thing but it but it's often pretty significant
3: uh, a similar episode to that was one from the the first season when joan has supposed to ask the bully to the to the dance or whatever the guy who's uh, this guy's keeps beating up her not boyfriend at right. the time And, uh, so she's supposed to take him to the dance, so she does, and it doesn't, it's not a happy ending, it's not, you know, he, it actually, as much as I did, I did enjoy the episode overall, and I particularly enjoyed the closing scene of that episode, but there was a, there was a little bit of an overdramatic, definitely overscored, but, um, a moment where the, the kid freaks out, um, some stuff goes down, and... He ends up pulling a gun on Joan's dad, and and he's you don't know if he's going to shoot himself or shoot one of them. So it doesn't end well for anyone, except that at the, the, last, epi- the last scene in the episode, you find out that he was going to blow away the school. So yeah. it, instead, because she took him to the dance, he ended up pulling the gun sooner so that he was arrested before he could hurt more people. So while it's not like everything doesn't end, sunshine and daisies for the people involved. And I also like that there is frequently a, a strong negative toll on Joan and her family for the actions that she's taking. Yeah. Like, if I were her parents, she would never be going anywhere again <laughs> after that. But um, I, I did really like that the episode, if only for its its closing scene um, with Catherine Houston as God, and uh, people might be more familiar with her as Mrs. Landingham from The West Wing. But I that scene made me think of the what I thought was interesting in the series, the choice of which God they're going to have show up when, or which uh, version of God, uh, because that was clearly a deliberate... They knew what they wanted to have God say in that scene, um, but the choice to go with that incarnation was very wise, and Catherine Houston frankly salvages what be had become a very melodramatic and over the top in in the melodramatic in the negative sense right. and over the top uh episode with just how much she underplays the last scene and so i, I thought that was a fun little wrinkle when is it going to be the little girl god when is it going to be goth god when is it going to you know etcetera
0: yeah yeah absolutely and then in in later episodes of course um they expand their options and it isn't just one or two or three actors. I think I kind of get the impression that when they first started, they were playing with the idea of it being one of three people to play God. And then I think they decided that was probably too limiting because eventually it became that God could just be anybody.
3: I always got the impression or not always, I suppose when I was watching it, I got the impression actually quite the reverse that at the beginning they were going to try to have it be a different God every time. Uh, Because in the first several episodes, it's quite a while before you see a repeat of somebody.
0: I guess that maybe that's true. Yeah, that's a good observation. Um, I do like in the very first episode, (laughs) in the pilot episode, um, where she thinks for a second that the guy who is actually a killer might be God. (laughs) I like that a lot. Because, first of all, God doesn't protect her from that. Mm-hmm. God doesn't protect her from the possible terrible outcome of her thinking people might be God, which really would be problematic in your day-to-day life if you were just going, eh, maybe that guy's God. That would be trouble.
3: <laughs> that guy seems to be going along with what I'm saying. I'll get into his creepy car with him. Oh, crap. Yeah. He's a killer.
2: Speaking yeah. of killers, um, and boy, are there an awful lot of them in this small town. <laughs> Yeah. Um, everything horrible happens in Arcadia. It doesn't seem to be a very big place. Um, we've neglected to mention so far that uh, yes, you're. You, we already mentioned that Montaigne is a cop. He's actually the chief of police in Arcadia. And actually, about a third to a quarter of most episodes are taken up, at least in the first season, with Montaigne's job, yeah. which is probably the aspect of the show I generally find the least interesting.
0: That Yeah, that started to fade away and like um, a lot of shows, I suspect that it would have become even more background because, you know, the one thing that I didn't necessarily think was great about the show, even though I still kind of enjoy it because I like Joe Mantegna and I I like all the actors, but yeah, there was definitely an aspect of the show of like maybe there's a few too many things going on.
3: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see much of the second season. Um, but what I did see seemed to focus less on his job and it really brought actually I thought the mother too a, a much more prominent role, Mary Steenburgen.
0: Well, yeah, they found a day they, they now that that I liked when they started to do her personal struggle because what they were doing with her that I liked a lot was they were like, "Well, how about we show a real person dealing with uh, faith in the way that real people deal with it, which is she never gets to talk to God. She's she's struggling with it inside her own head and with her friend who is a, a nun or a former nun. And I liked that as a kind of a nice counterpoint to what Joan was going through. Yeah, for sure.
3: Well, and then of course they, they hook the brother up with the former nun, which is an interesting, uh, interesting way to examine um, that side to, to everyone's faith as well. Um, before we run out of time, I want to make sure to mention uh, Grace, who is one of Joan's friends. Oh, um, yeah. I, I think Adam is, who's her friend and then her boyfriend is an interesting character as well, but I particularly enjoyed what we got with Grace in, in the first season and what I was able to see of the second season because that is, I think, one of the most refreshing takes on a high school student that I've seen yeah because that it felt very real and not because she wasn't just the bad girl or rebel or or whatever I, I enjoyed that they didn't they went for so long before they were willing to give any answers about her sexuality and about right. her home life and i i really liked that how how strongly they stuck to that with the character and also i'll be honest People like that were much more the kind of people that I was hanging out with in high school. Not yeah. that violent or vehement in their, in not that militant, but just people who did not care about cosmetics class and would rather, you know, build something for the science fair without being poindexters either. So it was just sort of refreshing for me to see that that take on the high school experience.
0: I would agree with that a hundred percent, yeah, I knew more girls like that than I knew. well, I certainly didn't know anybody like Joan, and like even <laughs> even putting aside her talking to God, I certainly didn't know well, I certainly didn't know anybody that pretty, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, I didn't know anybody that like um, I don't know that that cut from a sp- very specific stone high school stone um brilliantly portrayed but yeah yeah you're right grace is a little more uh well and that's a good uh, that's just a good quality of the show a good quality of the show is like an attempt to like imagine real people within this situation you know the creator of the show had all these rules and one of the rules and in this this rule apparently bothered some fans of the show her rule was that god couldn't change anything one of her rules for the writers, you know, like a lot of shows, you'll get the show Bible, whatever the show... And the, these are the these are our commandments. This is what we say is allowed on the show in the reality. Like, you know, Next Generation Data is not getting emotions in the series because it's not about him getting emotions. It's about him looking for emotions, whatever. And in this show, one of their rules, uh, one of the first rules is that God couldn't do anything. And it apparently... Just that wording really bothered people, I guess, very religious people. But like what I thought when I heard the rule is I go, yeah, just like in real life, because (laughs) it doesn't matter what you pray for. If you're being honest, they don't get answered. They certainly don't get answered the way you want to. And like whenever I watch somebody like, say, on Oprah or whatever, not on Oprah anymore, but on any show where they talk about some miracle, you'll see somebody who's like, I prayed to be saved from this tornado, tornado, and I survived the tornado. And I always think, yeah, but there are a bunch of people around you who didn't. They were
3: probably praying too.
0: Yeah, so what happened there? And, you know, I like the fact that it's a little more complicated view of God, which is more like if you're going to have faith, it's going to be something that you have because it helps you. That's why you're going to have it, because it, for whatever reason, you need faith. But it's not gonna be because you're gonna get, you know, your brother's gonna walk and your mom's gonna live. That's not. That's just not how it works.
2: The uh, the last thing I wanted to to mention before we close out is the season two finale is a real bitch, uh, <laughs> in, in the sense that it introduces a concept, the this idea of sort of a uh, maybe not permanent but certainly multi episode at least protagonist um, antagonist rather played by Wentworth Miller. Who I think is yeah. better here than I've ever seen him.
3: Yeah, he's fantastic.
2: And it's really too bad that the show was canceled before we got to see more of that. I think that's it's a concept they really could could have stood to have introduced earlier. And actually, I think it would have helped shore up viewers. But
0: yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I was disappointed that we didn't get to see that too because I like the idea that, wow, be, if you're evil, you can be more active because you can interfere way more if you're being bad then because if, if you're being good it does seem like at some point you'd let people make their own decisions because that's a good thing to do but at the same time when you're dealing with evil which he, he apparently was going to be if he himself was not evil at least whoever was directing him was definitely evil was going to be active was going to be proactively causing trouble
3: well it and Joan can't really say, no, trust me, I was talking to God earlier. I'm pretty sure that he's the devil. You know, like, can't really yeah. say that.
0: Yeah, my only fear as far as that goes I mean, it, it doesn't matter now because the show's long gone, but I was like, this could be really cool or it could turn really dumb <laughs> because it could be great if they stick to their guns about what God will and will not do. You know, if God is just going to give her advice and guidance and listen and speak, great. But if suddenly now we get into this like thing where there's actually a battle and God is being more active, then I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Did you ever see the movie Oh God? Yeah. Oh God is a pretty good movie. It's a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very light. Oh God, you devil. Terrible movie. <laughs> terrible, terrible movie, and pretty much for that reason, because it's sort of the same thing. John Denver, for those of you who remember John Denver, gets visited by God, and it pretty much screws up his entire life. <laughs> he loses his wife and his job because he met God. But he met God, and he's glad for the experience. And in the second one, it's all smoke and magic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What you were saying earlier, Jim, I think the measured approach to religion for what is admittedly a very religious show and one that, honestly, people who don't want to see or who aren't open to that, I don't think that they will necessarily enjoy the show, though I don't. It's sort of like with Friday Night Lights. I don't think you need to like football to like Friday Night Lights. But if you hate football, you might not be open to it.
0: Well. See, it's interesting you say that Because I think the same thing Like, You don't have to believe in Jedis To enjoy Star Wars And for myself I'm not very religious But I've always been very religiously curious Like I'm I, You know I went to church when I was a kid I don't go to church now I converted to Judaism Then I converted to being Oh a terrible Jew <laughs> But so I certainly don't enjoy it from an affirmation standpoint, I don't enjoy joining Arcadia. From a yeah, this is what I think. It's more just a, a nice philosophical question to me to say, well, if so, if God did appear to you the way that he's alleged to have appeared to Moses, what would that really be like in a modern context? And if God does appear, then why doesn't why don't better things happen? You know, the same questions that kind of everybody asks on a day-to-day basis. If God is good, why do so many bad things happen.
3: Yeah. Uh, We should wrap up. Uh, So are there any final thoughts that you guys have?
0: One, one, which is uh, earlier in her career, Amber Tamlin, I didn't know this. I was looking at her IMDb page appeared in an episode of the twilight zone. One of the new series, one of the versions of the twilight zone and Mm -hmm. her character, because she's a belligerent teenager gets sent her punishment is she gets sent to Arcadia.
3: Huh,
0: thought that was kind of funny <laughs>
3: nice that's a fun bit of symmetry um Simon, any final thoughts uh
2: no, I don't think so I, you know it's I don't think it's it's a perfect series but I do think it's got a lot of interesting stuff going on i think uh I do wish it had gotten a little bit longer to sort of flesh more things out
3: yeah yeah, yeah for for me, it was interesting that. I had a similar experience with this show as I had with Father Ted, which is a, a British sitcom where when I was actually watching the early episodes, I wasn't, I was, it was having fun with it fine, but I wasn't loving it. I was just sort of, okay, whatever. But then when I got, you know, when I started running out of time and skipping, skipping through season two, I was, I started really missing it and not wanting to have to be done watching it. Oh. Um, and so, so it was one that I was surprised by how much, because I could see technical, I can see technical faults with the show there. I mean, it's not a perfect show, but clearly based on uh, the my reaction to particularly trying to catch some final episodes before we did this uh, conversation, mm-hmm. um, clearly they were effective in making me care about these characters and wanting to spend time in this world. So I do think it was really a shame that it only got two seasons.
0: Oh, and did you see the show where Adam cheats on her? Yes. What did you think yes, of that I
3: episode? I I like the concept of it. I like the setting of it. I I of course you could tell early on in the episode what was gonna happen, and I wanted to reach in and throttle that stupid punk for hurting our Joan. I think right. I think. <laughs> but uh, and I do actually. I I will mention quickly. Amber Tamblyn gives a very not vain performance in this series. There are particularly in the season one finale I was noticing that you know she does you know some people cry and try to look good she doesn't do that she really goes for the emotion of of her scenes and I think that's impressive
0: yeah she's a very good actress she just is i um I met her at one of her poetry shows
3: <laughs> is is that your favorite episode
0: uh I think so I think it is because I think it's so And that episode being my favorite is funny because really what it's that show is just about the way that people behave. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that, you know, teenagers, are. you know, teenage boys are terrible human beings and (laughs) teenage girls are not perfect either, but far too sensitive because they're brand new to their emotions that are going to get beat up throughout the course of their life from terrible boys. Um, Which obviously is an oversimplification of the human experience, but man... Mm-hmm. We we all tend to hurt each other That's the thing is we all do tend to hurt each other And we shouldn't be doing that And the, to me that's kind of what the show is about Is every single day The best of us make decisions to hurt each other And even if we don't intend to they, We just end up making these terrible decisions And to me that's what the show is about
3: Interesting Yeah I, I wouldn't have thought of that It's a, it's a, it's a nice It's a nice takeaway for, from the show Positive, I mean, it doesn't sound particularly happy when you phrase it that way, but it is, uh, you know, yeah. but it's still just the idea that you can, in, you know, just the little smallest things that you decide to do in your life can make either a positive or a negative impact. So why not make a positive impact?
0: Yeah. And I think if you think about your own life, I bet you can think about a tiny little thing you did that always bothers you because you go, wow, oh, I didn't think that was going to be that terrible. But Hmm. Then this person I know that I did certainly didn't want this person to be hurt, and they were. So,
3: yeah. well, on that incredibly cheery note, um, yeah. Jim, where can our listeners find you?
0: Uh, well, you can find me on the Paul Goble Show. I'm the co-host on that. Um, you can read the Conspiracy Nut on Blogspot. You can find me on Twitter at Comic Jim Bruce.
3: And then at your website, you have uh, dates up for when you're going to be having shows so people, if they're out in LA, can catch
0: dot com, absolutely.
3: Good times. Well, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me. It was really fun.
3: Good times. We'll come back next week for another episode of the Televerse.
2: How many shows are we just just so I'm keeping track. How many shows are we missing this week? At least like 5.
3: This week? Oh yeah, there's only 19 total and we've only so. both watched 7. So. Yikes. Yeah, it's a bit, it's much lighter without having the NBC shows, so.
2: And the Fox shows.
3: And the Fox shows. Yeah, it's sad when I'm like there's only 19 shows we're reviewing this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watch too much TV. Okay. But that's, that's why we are us, so...